Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Beat him up. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Stevenson. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Pacers got the steal, outrunning his Brissett, pounds it home. Washington, again, five of them. Go, go, good job. It's it to Taylor, Taylor missed it, tips it in. Oh, the, pace, the Pacers clearly yeah. won this trade. The Pacers clearly won this trade. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Healed. Hotter than fish grease. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. This is Tyrese Halliburton, just got here in Indiana. Um, I'm super excited to meet you guys and super excited to get started here. Go Pacers. Wow, what a week it was, Fachi. Lots of things to talk about. But, of course, we're going to jump right into the Mailbag Podcast today. Fachi, how you doing, brother? I am doing great. It is officially a new era, man. The air, it just feels a little bit different. It's more crisp out there. I'm so excited about what we're embarking on now for the rest of the season, but I'm also excited to get to these questions. Absolutely. I will I won't lie, it is a little bit weird talking about Tristan Thompson on the Indiana Pacers. It is. Um, <laughs> I put a tweet out right before we got on here to record this before the game. And I was just like, I hope Jalen Smith gets some more playing time than Goga and Tristan. I'm like, man, that is just so weird to say. Um, but but anyway, are you ready to jump into these questions? Oh yeah. All right, let's start here with Instagram. We got that guy seam, and he has three questions here. So um, just a little heads up before we get going. Um, I wanted to make this known. So if you're listening. We're going to stick to just one question per person. So these three-part questions, while we appreciate them all, we're just getting so many questions that we ask that you only send in one. So if you do like a three-parter, we'll probably only answer one of them going forward. But we wanted to say just, you know, thank you for sending them in. But the three-part questions, we had like four or five of them today. Um, It just gets a little too much. But we're going to move forward with them. We'll answer them today, and that'll be our last time. Moving on, that guy Seaman, he said, number one, is anyone else feeling some awkward tension about our point guard uh, rotation? Brogdon came here wanting to prove he's a point guard and has previously shut down questions from reporters like Scott Agnes about sliding over off ball. But KP just publicly declared that Tyrese is rightfully our team's point guard for hopefully the next decade. Something's got to give sooner or later, right? Yeah, look, I would just say, you know, if there isn't some awkwardness yet, uh, there probably will be. Halliburton is by all means the future. Brogdon's days, they appear to be numbered. Look, he got that contract extension. And I, I believe it was Brogdon came out with comments a while ago saying, like, at this point, he wants to do what's best for the team. You know, he already got his, you know, basically, not even say I already got my money, but it was like he knew he was taken care of. So at this point, you have to really do what's best for the team. And that's probably going to be him playing off ball or potentially even moved. Uh, you know, look, uh, 
if it, did you want to go to question two or do you want to? Well, I was just going to answer this real quick for yep. me, you know, because I was looking at a statistic that I saw on Twitter from at pizza and treats. It said Malcolm Brogdon has only played in 138 regular season games since joining the Pacers. The Milwaukee Bucks have won 135 regular season games since Brogdon left for Indiana. So wow. that is pretty eye opening right there for you, Fachi. I mean, it just goes to show you he just can't stay healthy. And, and with that being said, Halliburton is a guy that hasn't really missed a whole lot of time. I know Jalen Rose thought he was getting some DNPs, but that was not the nah, case. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think with Brogdon, if you just look at the age group that that Kevin Pritchard continued to talk about, um, Brogdon, twenty nine years old, does not really seem to fit the time frame for this team. But you know, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and let's see what he looks like next to Halliburton because I think that back court could be somewhat decent. But yeah, at the same time, it just feels like he's the odd man out right now. It really does. And look, 29 feels like he's going on 35. I mean, he's an old 29-year-old, but you gotta <laughs> got to see him together first. Yeah, so let's move on to part two of this question. It says, if we commit to a Tyrese Duarte backcourt and move Brogdon this summer, which teams do you think make the most sense for him? Look, right now, I would say Brogdon's stock is not where you want it to be. I mean, hasn't been on the court in a while. He's got the Achilles injury. Luckily, it's not a tear by any means, but Pacers playing safe. Then you also got that fresh extension. So Brogdon's owed three years and just about $70 million moving forward. If we move him, I could see the Knicks looking for a point guard. They've been looking for a point guard for a long, long time. Um, potentially the Wizards don't really know what they're going to be doing. Uh, and then, look, I assume the Lakers are interested in anyone with two feet not named Russell Westbrook. So it's very possible. Yeah, I know. The Knicks and the Wizards were on my list. I also threw out the idea of the Pelicans maybe having interest in I him. I thought about that. I really did. They could. Yeah, I think they had interest in him last year a little bit, so I think that's going to look at the Mavericks. They don't get Jalen Brunson. I think that's another option to look at if he does go to the Knicks. Like, that's been a big rumor out there. And I also threw out some like contenders that might want to play him off ball, and that's the Nuggets and the Jazz. I mean, I don't know um, what exactly the Jazz would look like. Obviously, they have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, but you know, it feels like they could have some shakeups there if they uh, once again have a poor playoff performance and get, you know, they leave earlier than expected. So only reason through the Jazz out there than the Nuggets, of course. You got Jamal Murray, but I think Murray and Brogdon next to each other could be an interesting um, in that starting lineup. And then you have Aaron Gordon, MPJ went healthy, and then uh, Jokic. That's a pretty good starting five, Fudge. It really is. And I, I did debate some of those teams, but I definitely lean more towards like the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, over there um but yeah you know you made a good point especially with you know conley's age he's getting up there so you know you never know they, they could definitely be in the brogdon market but i think the first couple teams like the knicks the wizards those are the ones that i feel like definitely have a need yeah and then the last part of this question it says is go good too slow for this new and improved pacers team i will say a three-letter word that's really easy yes Yes. I mean, look, Goga looked like an absolute dinosaur out there. So, you know, I think we're all in agreement there. Um, we're going to need to see a little bit more, you know, with this group, but then we might, you know, it might be uh, less is better than more. Yeah. I thought Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson and probably even Tristan Thompson looked much better than Goga Batadze on uh, Friday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. No doubt. All right, ready for the next one, Fudge? Yes, so moving on, we have for our next question, it's DJ Stylistic from Instagram. Hey, guys, love the podcast. My question is, why can't we keep Rubio? He is a huge upgrade in a backup point guard. Uh, we see how a veteran point guard like Rondo did to us on Friday. Uh, we can use a vet point guard when times get hard. Someone who has been in many situations and, is, and has experience. Would you trade McConnell and sign Rubio? 
Okay, so a couple of things here. It's uh, Rubio is an expiring contract, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So the Pacers have no control on what Ricky Rubio does. So that is one of the reasons why we cannot keep him, um, strictly because we don't have the control to do that. So it's up to Ricky Rubio if he wants to be in Indiana. Now, um, if I were the Pacers and I was able to keep him over McConnell, I'm, I might do that because I think Rubio is a better player than McConnell. But I don't think that contract-wise it makes a whole lot of sense, nor does it make sense with the age. So I think the reason uh, well, or the benefit of having Rubio, I think you look at maybe doing a sign-in trade with him if there's a potential to do that, because I don't think a lot of good teams have cap space. So that's one way the Pacers could benefit from having him as an expiring. But but also, I just, you know, I, I think the idea of Rubio is a lot better for um, for this Pacers team than what the actuality would be, because he'd be a backup playing behind Halliburton and Duarte. And if Brogdon's not traded, then, you know, it's just a crowded backcourt. So for me, Foch, I, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, you try to get something out of it in a sign-in trade, and if not, you know, you just get that open cap space to do what you want. To be honest, I think the idea of Rubio has always been better than Rubio um, <laughs> you know, on, on any team. But, look, Rubio coming off of a torn ACL, could miss time for next year, likely wants to go to a contender. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age. Um, look, we're still going to have Brogdon and McConnell on the books, which is like $30 million committed to them. Meanwhile, neither of them are named Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, if Rubio's healthy and we, we could have gotten a trial run this year, that would have been intriguing. Given that we're not, I, I feel like I'm just going to I'm gonna pass. If we could do a sign and trade like that, th- that would be cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's move on. Fester 35, he said, we still have a huge hole at small forward and watching Karis cook us down the stretch. We need that big-time defender as well. How do you think we address that this offseason? Man, we've always needed that big-time defender, and uh, they're, they're hard to come by. So, look, you know, finding a small forward that can even score is not easy, let alone defend. So, we tried it with T.J. Warren. Unfortunately, he hasn't been healthy. You know, maybe the Pacers take a, a small flyer on him. We tried it with Toy Craig in terms of defensively. Just where, you know, maybe we didn't get what we wanted and the direction of the Pacers team didn't really fit um, Toy Craig moving forward. So, well, I like the trade they did there. Look, we're going to have potentially a top-five pick. Um about $26 million in cap room as of now. We've got a couple of trade exceptions. There's some options out there, but in terms of this year's free agent class, it's it's actually not a good one. Yeah, no, I mean, the one free agent that I've looked at a few different times is Lou Dort, but I was looking up his contract today on Track, and it looks like he actually has a team option for next yeah. year. So that's going to be picked up on Hoops. I didn't list the option, which they have on other players. So that's why I was a bit confused, but it did say team option. So Lou Dort would have been my obvious plug and play answer here just because he's cheaper, he's more affordable. But, you know, with that being said, I think it's going to probably come via trade. I don't really see one technically in this draft right now, especially where the Pacers are projected to finish. According to 538, they're projected to finish with a 31 and 51 uh, overall record, which would put them at fifth, with the fifth pick overall um, before the draft lottery. So I think that. That's semi-intriguing. There's some good players down there in that top five. So you might be able to get your hands on someone like that. But, um, you know, I think via trade would make the most sense. Um, and you have, like we said, Rubio's is expiring. You can deal. You have Brogdon. You have Buddy Heald. You know, I think there's ways to get better. Obviously, if you look at what was reported out there in terms of rumors, Dorian Finney-Smith was a, a guy that Carlisle had his eye on. He obviously got the extension. But I think Carlisle realizes that that's what this team desperately needs to add to the roster. So I think they'll go out and, and, and address that in the offseason. But hopefully O'Shea Brissett can maybe get better at that, Foch. I don't know if uh, you have too much stock invested in him, but 
Um, that might be someone that can just take that next step. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if you're looking at internal, it's either him or TJ Warren coming back and being healthy. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I sleep on O'Shea a bit too much. I would like to give him some credit because, look, when O'Shea's looking good out there, it's always like, man, why don't we get this guy more minutes or why don't we talk about him enough? But he looked really good the other night. Um, yeah. And then TJ Warren, I, I do think they might take a, a, a short, like, cheap one-year prove-it deal flyer on him. Anything more than that, I can't say that I'm that interested in. Yeah, so, absolutely. You ready to move on? I am. Next question uh, from Instagram, B. Jordan Matthews. He said uh, it's a two-parter. So he said, with the newly acquired draft picks, would you like the team to bring in talent via the draft or use them in a trade to bring in another player that's already in the league? That's a great question. I I think for me, um, you know, Kevin Pritchard in that press conference, I'm going to write an article about it on eight points, nine seconds here in the next couple of days. But, you know, he he said that they like what they have in terms of the draft picks and that if they see somebody they want, they're – going to go out there and attack it. And usually they get it when they find someone they want. So I thought that was really interesting. Very bold of KP to say that, especially mm-hmm. um, after everything that, you know, fans have said about him over the last couple of years. But with that being said, I mean, Hey, um, I think that Rick Carlisle wants to win. I don't think you need to add a ton of young players on this roster moving forward. I don't know how good the depth will be at the end of this draft. So for me, if, uh, if I'm Kevin Pritchard, I'm looking at maybe adding somebody, uh, that's already a veteran. And, and honestly, someone that could make sense that is a free agent that I forgot to bring up is Kyle Anderson out there in Memphis. Um, they've got a lot of young players out there that I'm sure they would love to continue to grow. And if he's an available free agent, I know he's a little bit of a slow-mo, but I, I think what he can do with that young Memphis team, I think would be uh, somewhat cool to see that culture brought over to Indianapolis. It's funny you say that. Kyle Anderson is a name that uh, I thought fits perfectly one of the questions that we have later. Um, So I'm in agreement with you there. Um, I'd say for this, look, um, man, I I would like to build through the draft, but to an extent, because here's the thing. We could potentially have three to four picks in the top 35, uh, depending on how the Pacers finish out. you got that Houston second rounder. we got our first rounder. We also got the Cavs first rounder. That's probably a little bit too many picks. So yeah. I'd like to consolidate those. Maybe we can, you know, make some trades, move up, and get one to two really talented players, if not one, because you don't want – it sounds good, like you do want as many young, promising players as possible, but at some point you also need to be able to, you know, consolidate some of these assets and, and go for maybe a more proven player. So trade is something that the Pacers have done very well. They've, they've pursued talent through trades quite often, so – I'm excited for that. They got the three trade exceptions, so it also works in our favor. Um, yeah. So I, I would say trade in the draft is kind of where I, I see us going. It's like I mentioned, it's a weak free agent class. So, you know, I look for us to maybe take on a contract um, for question number two over there. What are your thoughts on Buddy Heald from what I've read and listened to in interviews? He has a high work ethic and great shooting, which I, I think would be great to keep on the team. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Let's go Pacers and Mountaineers. Wow. Look at that. Mountaineers. Rare breed. Wow. Who is this Jordan Matthews guy? Okay. But anyway, that's awesome for you, Foch. Um, But thank you for the nice comments. We appreciate all of you guys that have been listening over the last couple of, uh, you know, weeks as we've been talking about all this stuff. And um, for our longtime listeners, thank you as always. But with that being said, you know, Buddy Hill, it's, it's tough because he is a really good shooter. That's about all he does great. I was surprised at the numbers that he put up on Friday. Nine so rebounds, eight assists. Like, who is this guy? You know. But I think the Pacers just really need someone to play small forward, and uh, unfortunately, he's the guy. So it's um, 
you know, he's 29 years old as well, similar to Brogdon. Some people think he could be older than that. They do. Does, <laughs> does he fit the timeline? I don't really think so. But at the same time, you can never have enough shooters on this roster. So, you know, if he sticks around, whatever, his contract's declining. It's not like the worst thing. Uh, seems like a good locker room guy. I think that he was very excited for a new change of scenery from Sacramento to here. So that's always it's always exciting as well. But I don't see him as a long-term part of the future. But, you know, maybe for the next year or two, uh, just just see what he can bring to the table. And if he's a good shooter and a good locker room guy, um, why not keep him around, Fletch? Maybe it's recency biased, but I was very impressed by the eight assists coming from Buddy Heald. I'm going to be honest. I <laughs> what don't about know? his defense? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, look, we're going to need some work there. But look, the eight <laughs> assists, I mean, I don't. that could be a career high for Buddy Heald. Maybe it's not. But when I went through his game log, he had like eight assists total in his last like 10 games. So I think that this guy, just like you mentioned, is dying for a change of scenery. And I think that he's going to come out like really excited on a nightly basis for the Pacers. I think Buddy Heald is going to be someone that surprises us. Look, we know we need shooting uh, in Carlisle's offense, and we've very much lacked that. I, I think that Buddy Heald is going to be a good fit here. Does he finish out his contract with the Pacers? I can't say that. But yeah. I think I think his contract is one of those that is like – is appealing to other teams. You always need shooting in this league. And I love the fact that it decreases by $2 million each year. So I would just say, look, Buddy did some things that that impressed me the other night. And I think for the rest of this year, it's going to be a good experiment to watch unfold. Yeah. And if you recall a couple of years ago, back in Dallas, Doug McDermott was traded uh, to Rick Carlisle's Dallas Mavericks team. Yep. And, and Rick utilized him so well that it got him paid by the Pacers in free agency as soon as it happened. So what I think best case scenario for the Pacers and Pacer fans, Buddy Hill balls out for the remainder remainder of the season, and then you're able to flip him on the on the de- on the on draft day or in the off season, and maybe get something that fits more of your timeline. Look, I don't want to just give away Buddy Hill for Buddy no, for no reason, but everybody looked at it as a negative contract when he was traded from Sacramento. There was not a lot of value there outside of what the Lakers had interest in, and so you know that to me is something I would keep an eye on if he plays incredible basketball the next couple of months this would be the great this would be the best time to sell high on buddy hill for me Fachi, and, and see what you can get because look if you could trade maybe like the cavaliers pick plus buddy hill and if someone's really high on him and you know jump up back into the lottery to get like a late lottery pick or something like that for a team that really needs uh, that doesn't want to be there right that that could make some sense to me i'm not saying it's like the uh the, the most common thing that's going to happen but i definitely can see that scenario playing out no, I could see it too. And look, Buddy Heald's stock when he came to the Pacers, he wasn't it wasn't necessarily high. He wasn't having a great year in Sacramento. I do think that he could be in a much better situation over here where the Pacers could profit off of that contract. So, you know, I'm with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to our last question here on Instagram. It comes from underscore Lottie Dottie underscore. Question number one is, was there anybody in particular that you guys wanted at the deadline? Look, initially I did want Cam Reddish like like a you know a month or two ago, uh, but you know I'm fine with the way things played out because he's barely getting minutes in New York. I was also intrigued by a Hornets uh, package. Look, PJ Washington, James Booknight, talking about two former lottery picks over there, but the way that KP swung for the fences and pulled it off, I'm thrilled with what he did because I did not think Tyrese Halliburton was an option. Yeah, I was going to say P.J. Washington for me, obviously. I mean, it's like a broken record now. I think my Aaron Gordon love has turned into my P.J. Washington love. Ooh, yeah. But I think a lot of it, too, is just like the rumors of, you know, where Turner could be dealt to and how we've been hearing him for so many years. But, 
You know, I also have my eyes on Emmanuel quickly. I was really intrigued yep. by getting him here. I think that would be my second name for the guys that I was most intrigued by. But yeah, like you said, never thought Halliburton was a realistic option here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I am uh, I'm ecstatic with what happened. And I think the Pacers made out like bandits. And, uh, you know, I got to give you a little bit of uh, credit there. You made me laugh. I was listening back to the podcast that we did on Saturday. And uh, when you said James Harden was hungry for a championship, <laughs> and then you subtly said, well, you know, he's hungry for other things too, but we're not talking about that. I said, <laughs> I said oh, my God, Fachi. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know why it just popped up in my head. But so many so many different trades that were, like, rumored out there. I, I think those two guys that were the main ones for me. But um, let's move on to question number two. He said, since Miles complained about being a, in quotations, glorified role player, is the clock ticking for him now to show what he really can do, or is the defensive ability enough to not trade him in the summer? I think this is a great opportunity to give Miles more responsibility on offense. Like, let's see what he can do without Sabonis. Like, we know what he brings defensively. No one's questioning that. But we also do have shot blockers and like Isaiah Jackson. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that, you know, go over there. I know he can block shots, but I don't. I don't factor him in our plans over here. I just feel like this is the shot. You got – whatever it is, however many games left in the season, depending on when Miles comes back, to, you know, evaluate, hey, let's see it. Let's give him more touches. Let's give him more shots. Like, let's go for it. He's still just 25 years old. However, he is entering the final year of his contract next year. So I think everything has to be on the table, but I think this is a good opportunity for more responsibility. Yeah, I mean, Miles Turner does still kind of fit with that young age group right there. He's only going to be 26 in March. I mean, ironically, has the same birthday as my father. So uh, that is interesting. Him and Peyton Manning and my father share a birthday. So pretty, pretty cool stuff there. But with that being said, um, you know, 26 years old really does seem to fit the timeline of the Duarte's of the draft pick of Tyrese Halliburton, even though he'll be one of the older guys in terms of the young core. He's still young. He's still entering into his prime. So this is a good opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. My only concern with him is the foot injury. I mean, this is a a stress reaction in this foot. That's something TJ Warren dealt with and it ended up becoming something worse. Will this be the same case for Miles Turner? Um, He's already had foot problems the year before that, that made him miss the rest of the season. So are we sure that Miles Turner is worth a long-term investment in if he can't stay healthy? Um, And I think health is something that Kevin Pritchard even addressed at the press conference where he was basically like saying, you know, we've talked about if this team was healthy, what they could be, but eventually at some point you have to move on from that. Like he legit said that. So with him addressing that, I'm curious to see how they value Turner in a sense uh, long-term because defensively he, you know, Rick Carlisle gushes about him being the best rim protector in the league. And I think that there's enough statistics to prove that he is up there. If he's not the best, he's one of the best. And, and, and so, you know, there's things that Turner does bring to this team that are necessary and going into the draft and going into the off season, I think right now, Isaiah Jackson, the, the, the ankle injury has been something back and forth all year long. Um, he's still pretty young, still needs to add some weight. Tristan Thompson's not going to be here long-term. Goga's not going to be here long-term. And then Jalen Smith, they can only do so much with him contract-wise. So for me, it's like right now, unless you go out and trade for another center or draft a center, uh, it doesn't really make sense to move on from Turner anytime soon unless you feel like Isaiah Jackson is ready to go by the beginning of next year. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't know if he will be. I mean, look, I'm definitely excited to see what Isaiah Jackson does in the offseason. But as it relates to, you know, injured players and stuff, look, I'm hesitant to give anybody 
solid money now that has an injury history. And, you know, whether you love Mostert or not, unfortunately, there has been injuries. And I just think that given the Pacers' recent history of acquiring players that have been injured, you know, the Brogdons, the TJ Warrens, I mean, and so on, I would be hesitant to give Turner, say, like $100 million on a new deal you know, when there has been injuries. But for the rest of this year, I definitely look forward to seeing how his game could take it to the next level. Yeah, and I think one thing that we haven't really brought back up now that, you know, Sabonis is gone, what did Kevin Pritchard say in that athletic article about Turner hitting free agency and how it's going to be hard to keep him? Like, he didn't make any, like, you know, like qualms about, we're going to re-sign this guy. And then there was reports that were basically saying that Turner was not told he was not going to be traded on Thursday, even though Woj had come out and said that. I mean, so I, I think for me, basically, they're just going to play by ear. Um, I wouldn't, I know Turner was looking to get extended if he was traded. That was a lot of reporting out there that was said that, that said that. So does he still want that extension in Indiana? I mean, it's possible, but he could also want a clean start somewhere else uh, and be a, an unrestricted free agent in, in the summer of 2023. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out, but I think it's something to monitor. So um, that is the end of our Instagram questions. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with our Twitter questions. Okay, we're back, and we're going to answer about five Twitter questions for this episode, and then we're going to end that episode and add part two of the mailbag like we always do because these are lengthy questions and uh, good good content. So, Fachi, kick us off with our first question from Twitter. All right, friend of the show, we got Ricky, Ricky Kelly. Yeah, Hi. Ricky. He said, honestly, what is the ceiling of the duo of Tyrese and Duarte? If we draft Ivy, do you think we can put Duarte the three? If we have the chance to move up and get Jabari Smith with all the assets that we would have, would you pull the trigger? Um, look, I would just say, man, it's hard to put a, a true ceiling on Halliburton and Duarte because I, it's only been one game. But I truly think that Halliburton can and will be an all-star in this league at some point. I do. Um, Duarte, I see is a really good score. I think he could average like 18 points per game next year. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, and then I would just say, look, if, if we have the chance to get Ivy, we get him. I think Duarte can play a three. I think you go for it. I, it's positionless basketball. Give him a shot at it. Um, like he already has the foundation to be a good defender. It'll definitely be a challenge guarding, you know, potentially six, eight, six, nine wings. Uh, it's an offensive driven league. And I would rather have the best possible players on the court offensively. Yeah, so this is a great question. I know a lot of people have been debating on what you should do if you get Jaden Ivey in the draft. And, you know, it could it could mean nothing come draft night if he's not there. But yep. for me personally, it's like I like Duarte a lot, but I think that Jaden Ivey's ceiling is higher. Um, that's why he's going to yes. potentially be a top, top three, top four, potentially top two if you listen to Chad Ford, who's at his gut. Yeah. It's like, you know, Jaden could go second. So, you know, you're talking about a guy that people are comparing to John Morant. While I love Duarte, he's 24 years old. You bring in a 19, 20-year-old kid with a higher ceiling look. Duarte, either you play the three or you come off the bench and be our sixth man. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. I, I think you just – you got to get the best talent, especially at this part of the draft. Um, I, I mean, you can debate on who you like and what you like. I mean, Jabari Smith is a really good player. So if the Pacers feel like that is the perfect guy to go out and trade for, then then do it. But, I mean, aside from Orlando, I think everybody else would be okay in that top tier looking at drafting a guard. Um, I mean, because Orlando's got quite a few guards they just invested yes. in the last couple of years. So um, they seem like a Chet Holmgren team to me because they will need a center moving forward. Um, but, but, yeah, I just – I really do like the idea of Ivy, Duarte, and, uh, and Halliburton together because 
I don't want to. I don't want to cap the the ceiling on Duarte and uh, Halliburton. If you can get Jay Nivey next to Halliburton, my goodness, that would be really fun. And and one more thing, Fachi Duarte has the ability to have this offseason to get some muscle on him yes. to get the NBA body ready. And if they say, look, there's a potential we're going to get a, a guard, whether it's Ty Ty Washington, whether it's uh, the kid from Wisconsin, I'm blanking on his name right now, Johnny Davis. Yeah, John Johnny Davis. Or if they go out. And and get another guy and um and Jaden Ivy, you know, you just tell Chris, hey, we might be playing you at the three some more. Okay, you got to be ready, Chris. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Six foot five, six foot six kind of guy is a good defender. I think he can do it. I think he's up for the challenge. Hey, look, if the Pacers are going to roll out the double bigs for a few years, I, I wouldn't put him past him for three guards in the starting <laughs> lineup. So you know, we could definitely do it. Look, Jabari Smith, I feel like he could and should be very good. I'm not. 100% sold that he's going to be like a star in this league, especially for a guy that's being picked, you know, potentially top three. I mean, depending on, you know, what week or, or what mock draft you look at, he could be even higher. In, in some cases, I've, I've seen him gone, you know, one, two, three. Um, but look, make no mistake, if the Pacers draft him, I would not be mad at all. I think Ivy has that higher upside. Anyone who's even being remotely considered to a John ja Morant type player, uh, the Pacers have to jump on because look at where Memphis is right now. Mm. I mean, they're in like the three or four spot in the West, and this rebuild uh, did not last long. He changed that franchise. So I, I don't think, I, while I love Chris Duarte, I don't think that he's the kind of guy that you say, we're not going to take another guard because we have Chris Duarte. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Let's move on to our next question here. This comes from Kevin Chaney. He said, am I the only one that thinks McConnell is gone this summer? Not sure that his play style fits Carlisle's system, but I would love to see him and Lance play together. Love the show, y'all. Look, I, I don't think you're alone in that because McConnell, look, great guy, but McConnell and Carlisle's offense, I feel like it was like when you try on an old childhood sweater that your grandma knitted you, and it just didn't fit. It looked oh awkward, <laughs> and you wanted to be nice. You you wanted to say, look, she's trying, and in this case, it was he. And it, But it just – when he attempted threes, it just looked awkward. I didn't like it, and you knew, man, this isn't going to last. So at this point, you know, I, I don't love that, that that they re-upped McConnell for, you know, four years when I felt like Doug McDermott probably would have been a great shooter to have on the team. But I, I could maybe McConnell work in a faster-paced offense? Yeah, it's possible, but he's never going to be a better shooter than Tyrese Halliburton, and Brogdon's obviously a better shooter than McConnell. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you an interesting stat because uh, he said that he would like to see McConnell and Lance play together. Look, I understand the intrigue because of the fan favorite stuff, but yep. Lance Stevenson is shooting 26.9% from three. TJ McConnell is 28.0% from three. Very, very poor <laughs> perimeter shooters uh, from three, and this is what Carlisle likes to do. So, look, I don't know if McConnell is going to be here long term or not. I think that Carlisle, you know, we, we talked to Jay Michael, and he's basically said that Carl uh, that McConnell is a Pritchard guy. It's not a Carlisle guy. So we will see how much of a say Carlisle has in, in that. But, yeah, I don't necessarily think McConnell is going to fit long-term. I don't think Brogdon fits long-term because no, of the age. I don't. I just wonder if there's any team that would be willing to take on McConnell's contract because a lot of rumblings out there that it was a, a surprise that he got paid that much and a bit of an overpay by the Pacers. It was. So, you know, like McConnell, don't love him. Um, he's been out all year with the injury. Don't know how much trade value he really has. But, um you know, I would like to see the Pacers just play by ear. I mean, even if he starts, if he's got Buddy Hill next to him, okay, he's got a shooter and he can move the basketball, you know, and do different things by playing fast. I think McConnell would actually benefit probably from playing this faster 
tempo that we're so. playing. So there is a pro to that. But other than that, I just don't, you know, shooting wise, I just don't think Carlisle is a big fan of him. Yeah. And no matter how hard McConnell works, I just don't think he's going to ever creep up into being like a 35% three point shooter or anything like that. You yeah. know, his best case is like 31, 32%. That's, you know, that's looking on the bright side. Uh, next question. Dalton James Chubb. Dalton, we appreciate you. He said, uh, what are you most looking for in the young players the rest of the season? And what are your expectations? Love the show. Yeah, it's a good question. I think my expectations are to just let them get, you know, put on these growing pains, fight through them, whatever you got to do, but just don't get too many wins, right? <laughs> you know, yep. continue to get losses so we can get a better draft pick. And Kevin Pritchard even said this could be a franchise changing draft pick because we haven't had a high pick like this in a very long time. I think, you know, now that Herb Simon probably sees how close we are to getting this pick, uh, he probably is on board with trying their best. The Pacers trying their best to maintain a, a, a worse record to get a good pick because it could really change the trajectory of the franchise. So for the young players like Halliburton, like Duarte, like Isaiah Jackson, I just want to see them grow. I want to see them struggle and, and get better from it and learn from it. But I'd also like to see them develop team chemistry. That to me is like the three-headed monster right there that would be really good for the rest of the season because if you can continue to see just that chemistry, especially from your main core with, with O'Shea, Duarte, Halliburton, and uh, Isaiah Jackson, if those four together and potentially uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., if all those guys can just learn how to play together and see the floor together at multiple times, that would be really exciting to see that chemistry grow and be established heading into next season so they can hit the ground running a little bit better than trying to play catch up all year long. Absolutely. Look, can you gel together? That, that That's what I'm asking. You know, Team chemistry, my God, I, I would be so excited if you saw them. I mean, look, we're starting to see some alley-oops being thrown, and, and I love to see it. If we could just see that on-the-court chemistry and even hearing that these guys are hanging out off the court, working out together in the offseason, stuff like that, that's how you really get better and get excited for the season. So I would love to hear and see that. For instance, like, how does the backcourt look for Halliburton and Duarte? I mean, I want to continue to see that. Can Isaiah seize a starting role or a more promising role on a consistent basis? Like, does Goga even fit or remain on this team moving forward? Is Jalen Smith someone that we look to re-sign? Is Terry Taylor going to be a, a rotational player? Like, these, these are the, the, the things that I'm looking for. Like, how does Miles and Isaiah play together? Can they start together? Like, well, what are we looking at over here? So, and then also, lastly, like, Brogdon and Halliburton, how does it look together? I know you mentioned the young guys, but that, that's something I'm looking for in the yeah. second half of the season. Yeah, I just I just said the young players. That was with the question asked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, but I mean, obviously, I would like to see how everybody fits together yep. and see what you have moving forward. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm right in that same boat with you, Pacho. Well, let's move over to Chris Drubert here at CR Drubert on Twitter. He said, with KP saying they would be aggressive to get to where they need to be in the draft, if Indy doesn't move up, should we hope a better team jumps into the top four that could be trade partners? That would be the type of team who would want Brogdon, Heald, T.J. McConnell, et cetera, more than a team like Orlando or OKC. Yeah, look, I love the fact that KP wants to be aggressive. I think that we have the type of assets where if we are at like fifth overall, want to jump to third or fourth, I feel like we could get it done with, you know, our fifth overall pick potentially, the Cavs pick, you know, maybe there's Houston's pick in there, you know, whatever it is, I feel like we have the draft assets. We have the cap room to be able to take back a bad deal. Uh, I don't think like, you know, McConnell or even Brogdon's going to help us unless we're taking on a worse contract, but never put anything past OKC as a trade partner. You, know, you never know. Um, so I, I'm really excited. I think we have the assets to do it um, and uh, don't rule out moving up in this draft. 
And I think one thing we're not talking about either, which I don't know if the Pacers would do it, but this 2023 draft pick, this class is supposed to be really good. But if the Pacers feel like, let's just say, for example, I'm just going to say Jaden Ivey because that's like who everybody wants, right? Let's say that KP is like Jaden Ivey is number one on my board. That's who I want. And, you know, OKC has pick number two. Would Pritchard be willing to give up the Cavs pick and then their 2023 pick for next year to try to move up and swap places? You know, it's very possible. We saw this kind of happen with Atlanta and Dallas a couple of years ago yep. when Luca and Trey Young uh, were both selected. And Rick Carlisle was a part of that. Look, I think if Carlisle identifies somebody as somebody he wants to get, the Pacers would be willing to part with a potential draft pick in the future to, to move up. And I think OKC, as they're continuing to rebuild, they might not want uh, a player. So there wouldn't be a reason to maybe give up a Brogdon or a Buddy or a TJ, whatever. You're just doing picks. You're, you're here. We'll trade you a five for two, and we'll give you our 2023 first-round pick. Fans might not like it. You know what I mean? But, like, at that point, maybe you can get back that pick somehow with a Brogdon trade later in the offseason. But that's kind of how I think they would go about it. But other than that, I'm not really sure. They might just stay where they're at and select the player that comes to them within that five to seven range, which we probably think they'll, they'll land in. But other than that, Fach, I have nothing else to say on this question. Yeah, I'd say let's move over to our uh, our final question for this episode on Twitter. Aaron Greisel, I believe it is, uh, or Grissel. I, hopefully I went, you know, <laughs> one or two on the pronunciation. He said, uh, would you take – who would you take to win in a game of five-on-five five between the Pacers and Warriors' young cores? For the Pacers, mm. it's Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, O'Shea Brissett, Terry Taylor, and Isaiah Jackson against Gary Payton Jr., uh, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, um, uh, Kuminga and James Wiseman. This is a tough question here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think uh, Gary Payton is going to be doing too, too much. No, either do I. Um, without having all those great players around him, I think Jordan Poole's a bucket, but I think Caliburton's probably the best player in this. You know, ten-player group. I think Kuminga probably has the potential to be number two. Yeah. And then you're looking at Duarte over probably the next couple of guys. I'd probably say the Pacers right now. But with that being said, the Warriors are trying to win a championship and their young guys are just complimentary pieces where the Pacers are trying to build a playoff contender uh, moving forward with these young guys. So um, that to me is, you know, not like a knock on anybody. I think James Wiseman has bit, been a bit miscast with Golden State, didn't really fit their system. Probably the better the better player in the draft at that time based on value, but uh, I just don't think he fits there well with what they're trying to do. But we'll see if he's able to play in the playoffs. But you know, Poole, Payton Jr. and Kaminga are all really good role players for what they have now. I think, like I said earlier, Kaminga probably has the highest upside of the Warriors players. But Halliburton's the best out of these ten, and uh, that's why I give the Pacers the edge. Yeah, and this is really tough. I'd like to give us the edge. I definitely give us the edge at guards. I mean, like. Gary Payton Jr., people actually think he's younger than he is because now he's really getting a prominent role, but he'd been bouncing around for a while. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's he's definitely not really young. Um, anyway, uh, Moses Moody, unproven to me yet, needs a bigger role, so hard to really determine. Kuminga, I do think, is, is going to be a stud. But then there's James Wiseman that it, it just feels like he's more of an idea than an actual player. We're talking about the number two overall pick from just a year ago, but barely been on the court. So, you know, Wiseman could be a really special player, but it, it's hard to see it yet. So, you know, it, it's it's really tough. I mean, Golden State, a lot of the players there are more potential-based, while ours, I feel like we've obviously seen play a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers do take this, but that's also just because – everyone's sleeping on James Wiseman and Moses Moody right now. 
Yeah, and I think it's just the Warriors guys are probably a little bit more improved and we haven't got to see enough of them exactly. yet to really claim this is a really good comparison, but it's a fun conversation. So that's going to uh, end our conversation for the part one of the mailbag. We're going to take uh, a little break here, record a new episode for part two. Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. If you're excited to see Chris Duarte and Tyrese Halliburton continue to develop chemistry on and off the floor, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.